Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of Ghost Maps is brought to you by the Storytel Epigram Horror Prize 2022. Ghost Maps was created because we felt like people weren't sharing horror stories as much anymore. And that's why we're excited for the Storytel Epigram Horror Prize. This annual short story competition, which focuses on our favorite genre, awards up to $10,000 across the top entries. A great reason to finally tell your own spine-chilling story. This competition is open to Singaporean citizens and permanent residents ages 18 and above. Submit your manuscript by the 30th of May 2022. And for more details, visit epigram.sg sehp. Ghost Maps Entry 55 Kulai, Malaysia Iskandar pulls up in his plain blue car to the small, out-of-the-way coffee shop in Salita, then waves cheerily to me. Aside from a morose-looking elderly man at another table, I seem to be the only other patron here. As Iskandar takes a seat across from me, the Chinese drink store uncle walks over and yells out a greeting in Hokkien. Eskanda and the uncle exchange a few laughs and pleasantries in Malay before we order. I hope you didn't have any trouble finding the place, Eskanda says. I tell him with a smirk that it definitely took me a while to get here. The coffee shop's signboard has clearly been faded for a long time. When I arrived earlier, I tried to ask the uncle for the location's name. The drink stall uncle chuckled and said that it hasn't had a name for so long that even if I knew it, it wouldn't make much difference. Located down a small dirt path after a series of twists and turns, Iskander tells me that the coffee shop has a die-hard customer base that's kept it going for years. They're mostly taxi drivers and security guards, he explains. That's why they're only open from 7pm onwards. I ask Iskander how he knows about it then. He smiles, shrugs, then says, you're not gonna believe it. But... I just love going on night drives. I ask him why he thinks I wouldn't believe his explanation. Everyone I've told that to, outside of the people here, they just find it strange, he says, visibly relaxing a little more. Like, not having a destination when you get into your car makes you some kind of weirdo. I tell him 
that considering how much cars cost here, I can see why some people would want to make sure every drive was for a reason. He gives me another smile, and this one even friendlier. It's a smile that tells me that I'll clearly fit in around here. Iskandar says that it's his love of driving that actually resulted in his experience. Our drinks arrive and Iskandar tells the uncle that he's here to talk to me about his drive to Kulai. The uncle cheers excitedly, then pulls up a chair right next to me. And if ever there was a cue to get my recorder out, well, this certainly was it. I offer up a smile to the uncle, then turn to Iskandar and ask him to start from the beginning. It was 2012. Iskandar had bought a car just two years prior. All his friends knew that if they ever had a late night craving or just needed some company at three in the morning, Iskandar was the guy to call. It was precisely why his primary school buddy, Tommy, had messaged him on a Wednesday, asking him if he was free late that Friday night. Tommy has never been the planning type, Iskandar tells me, sounding almost apologetic for his friend, then quickly adds, but he's a good guy nonetheless. Tommy had somehow learned about some rental houses in the town of Kulai in Johor that were going for a decent rate. He asked if Iskandar could drive him up to take a look at the homes. Tommy's elderly dad's Malaysian, you see, and he wanted to find an affordable place for him, Iskandar explains. Before committing to anything, though, Iskandar had asked Tommy where he'd heard about these cheap rental houses. He also asked why they were supposed to go up to Kulai at night, specifically. Tommy's answers didn't exactly fill him with confidence. A friend of a friend had told him about it. These rental homes were cheap because they were legally dubious somehow. Iskandar had asked Tommy if he was sure that he wanted to do this. Tommy said that, yeah, he definitely did. At worst, it's a waste of time and we just find somewhere to grab a bite after. Tommy had said, his relaxed tone only worrying Iskandar even more. Still, Iskandar agreed, though more to keep an eye on his friend than anything else. Plus, if nothing actually happened, then at least he'd get a great night drive out of it. Iskandar and Tommy reached the Woodlands checkpoint at about 10 that Friday night. They took a leisurely drive up the North-South Highway, singing along to the radio to keep themselves awake and alert. 
By the time they pulled off the highway into Kalai itself, it was around midnight. I had no idea where to go by that point. And of course, neither did Tommy, Iskandar says with a sigh, followed by a light chuckle. Luckily, though strangely, there were a few people around, even at that hour, that Iskandar and Tommy could ask for directions. Tommy asked about rental houses, and everyone seemed to respond with the same question, says Iskandar. Are you looking for Danish? Iskandar didn't know who this Danish was, and he was pretty sure that neither did Tommy. He assumed that this must have been a real estate agent or someone that dealt with the houses. But there was something about the tone that the residents used. Almost like they didn't feel safe to speak freely. But they were still trying to warn the pair about something. Tommy clearly didn't pick up on that tone though. After the first couple of residents, he answered with a firm yes whenever anyone asked if they were looking for Danish. All of the residents simply shook their heads solemnly. So they kept driving, and pretty soon, they found themselves deep in a quiet neighbourhood filled with seemingly empty buildings. Iskandar grew anxious and started looking for a way back to the more populated areas. Somehow, however, they found themselves instead driving up a dual carriageway that was surrounded by rubber trees on either side. The carriageway led up a winding pathway. And that's when they encountered their first sign of trouble though not of the supernatural kind. There were these kids drinking and smoking beside a red car, Iskandar says. Hopelessly lost, the pair drove up beside them and asked again about the rental houses. The kids didn't respond at first. Instead, they just glared menacingly at Iskandar and Tommy. Finally, one of the kids, the obvious leader of the group, said that they didn't know what Tommy was talking about. As Iskandar and Tommy drove off though, they heard the kids laughing maliciously, practically cackling at them and yelling taunts like, You need not bagimana. Where do you want to go? Less than a minute later, Iskandar saw headlights flashing at him in the rearview mirror. The headlights of that red car. The malicious laughter of the kids echoed into the night as they sped up. Miskanda likewise slammed his foot on the accelerator to outrun their pursuers. 
He took lefts and rights at random, even as the kids tossed glass bottles at his car. He kept going and going until he couldn't see the headlights in his rear view mirror any longer or hear their taunts. We were both so relieved that we just began laughing, Iskander tells me. As safe as they felt they were, however, Iskander and Tommy now found themselves more lost than before. They kept driving down the straight road they were on, until they came across a row of houses all seemingly abandoned in the middle of their construction. They both wondered whether these were the rental houses that Tommy had been looking for. I asked him again who told him about these houses, and all he could tell me was the same thing. A friend of a friend, Iskander says. The road eventually took them to a cul-de-sac, where among all the half-built homes, they saw, weirdly enough, an old beat-up two-seater couch on the pavement. They remarked about how odd that was at first, but as they drove closer, Tommy's demeanor started to change. His eyes widened and he was stammering while slapping my arm in a panic, Iskander says. I kept asking him what was wrong until he just hissed at me to stop the car and let him drive. Iskander wanted to tell Tommy that there was no way he was going to drive his car, not in the state he was in. But looking at his friend, seeing the terror in his eyes, Iskander knew there was no way he was going to be able to argue with him. So he did as Tommy said. After executing a speedy three-point turn, Tommy sped out of that area. He kept driving, putting as much distance between that cul-de-sac and them as quickly as he could. Until eventually, much to Iskandar's relief, they approached a more populated area. From there, they were soon back on North-South Highway and returning to Singapore. When they got past the causeway, Tommy drove them to the nearest coffee shop he could find. Neither of them had said a thing for that entire two-hour or so drive. Iskander had tried to ask Tommy a couple of times what had happened, what he had seen, but Tommy would only raise a finger to his lips and shake his head. Once they sat down at the coffee shop, however, Iskander couldn't hold his tongue any longer. Much to the shock of the other patrons, he yelled out, What the hell, man? 
Tommy didn't answer immediately though. He just shakily lit a cigarette. Not looking at Iskandar, he took a long drag off his smoke. Then exhaled as his body sank down into his seat. He then asked, "Did you get a did you did you get a weird feeling from that that couch is It's going to try to joke that the entire night was weird. But Tommy raised his voice a little and asked him again, "Did you see anything on that couch is Take it back. Iskandar said that he hadn't noticed anything strange about it. Still averting his gaze, Tommy said, "I saw something. Someone on that couch." Iskandar was confused at first, but then realized what Tommy was saying. Some one? Iskandar asked. An old man, an old Indian man, he said at first. Then is his his face he didn't Tommy took another drag off his cigarette. Then finally looking at Iskandar, he said he didn't have a face. Iskandar smiles and tells me that the drink stall uncle here at this nameless coffee shop has heard this story multiple times. But I always like to hear it again. The uncle exclaims with a big boisterous laugh as he makes his way back to his stall. Unlike the uncle, however, I'm slightly less impressed. I've heard stories of a faceless man countless times before. It's one of those urban legends that everyone has their own variation on. As detailed as Iskandar's story is, I'm inclined to dismiss this one. I don't tell him this, of course. Instead, I thank him for sharing his story. Then, with a chuckle, I add that I'm glad that it could entertain the uncle, and maybe even that other old man here too. Eskandar, still smiling, asks, "What other old man?" I look at him, perplexed. For a split second, I wonder whether this is some kind of joke. Then I catch sight of the drink stall uncle. He's looking directly at me, gravely, and ever so slightly shaking his head. I read the uncle's meaning loud and clear. Iskandar doesn't see this other man. With a smile of my own, I tell Iskandar that it's nothing, and quickly change the topic. 
I chat with him for a little while longer before I tell him that I need to leave for another interview. He bids me goodbye and continues to enjoy his drink at the coffee shop, believing himself to be its only patron. If you want to discover more of Southeast Asia's other side, subscribe now and follow us on social media. You can also be one of our supporters on Patreon. Look for We Are Hantu or click the links in the description. Ghost Maps is a Hantu production created by Kyle Ong and Wayne Ray with art direction by Jolene Lim and recorded on Audio-Technica mics.